The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. The Braves Radio Network channel on the Podcast Park is brought to you by Truist Bank. When you start with care, you get a different kind of bank. Is Atlanta's exclusive home for Atlanta Braves baseball, bringing you the latest on the Braves all year. Now, the fan presents the Braves Clubhouse Report. I fly ball, deep left center. That one's arcing toward the stands. It's gone. Presented by Arrow Exterminators. Call 888 Go Arrow or visit arrowexterminators.com. Smashed high in the air, deep right field, out to the chop house, and it's gone. This is the home of the Braves, the Fan 680 and 937 FM. Now, the Braves Clubhouse Report. Hope you're having a great Wednesday. We're glad to be with you for the Braves Clubhouse Report. That's enough, Max. Keep it down. Trying to do a radio show around here. Trying to be professionals. Yeah, that's my son, Max, on winter break, hanging out in studio with us here. And uh, we've also got Wiley Ballard talking a little bit. Hey, Uncle Ben. No, that's Uncle Wiley. (laughs) Uncle Wiley, not Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben's down in Florida. Uncle Wiley, though, good to see you, my friend. I kind of prefer cousin Wiley. Cousin, all right. I think well. cousin. I think I'm not sure I'm ready to be an uncle yet. Okay, that's like that's, that's like the next generation up. Isn't yeah, that's it? true. Yeah, I'm not ready for that yet. All right. So joined by cousin Wiley in studio, <laughs> and uh, Max helping us produce talking Braves baseball with you till the bottom of the hour. And and Wiley, as I just mentioned with Nick and Chris, you know, a lot of times you get excited for the first couple spring training games, and then you're like, all right, when is this going to start to count for real? <laughs> But I think there's a lot of intrigue surrounding yes. spring training play this year. New rules, no more shift, pitch clock, and that's on both sides. That's the pitcher and the hitter. Uh, there's a lot of intrigue, and I think a lot of adjustments we're going to see happening really on the fly once games start this weekend. Well, I mean, I think I'm fascinated to see you know how the mechanics of it all works. You know, I think first and foremost, the, the, the pitch timer, uh, the pitch clock. The, I mean, you know, some people say it should – if you're going to call it the pitch clock, you ought to call it the batter clock because the batter is just under – uh, under as much pressure as the pitcher to sort of get things going. And then you got the, the umpire element of it. They're having to uh, take on another uh, facet that they have to be responsible for enforcing. And so in my mind, you know, I'm, I'm obviously curious to see how that goes. But just as a consumer, as somebody who's been watching on television, I'm curious to see what does it look like. Am I, are we going to have a shot clock on the, on the, on the score bug? Yeah. Or is that something that, you know, is, is it going to be intuitive? Or, I'm curious to see how they present that. Uh, you know, I was reading they're going to have uh, – the timers uh, on, on either side of the batter's eye in center field, and then also behind home plate so the pitcher can see it. But I'm told it's not going to be visible on television. So, again, very curious to see how, how that all plays out. And, and then the other piece of it, too, is, you know, if and we may not know this until we get into the regular season, but how aggressive teams are in trying to find ways to, you know, I don't want to say circumvent the new infield shift rules, but if they do try and, you know, do something with their outfield alignment, you know, that, that is the one thing that they're not policing outfielders and where they line up and those types of things. So right. uh, I'm really curious to see the mechanics of the pitch clock uh, as well as if teams try anything uh, aggressive when it comes to 
uh, positioning of their outfielders or, or even within the infield rules. One thing I know teams have done, and we've seen a lot of videos coming out of Northport and the 29 other camps, is having those clocks even when they're throwing bullpen sessions, oh, yeah. when guys are throwing simulated action, because as we know, games haven't started yet. 15 seconds in between pitches with the bases empty, 20 seconds when a runner is on. And when you think about it, some of the guys that take their time, that uh, you know, dust off the the you know the uh, the rubber, that take a little step behind, that that time goes very very quickly. And I think it's smart, even if guys are just playing catch, to start getting that mental clock going along with the physical one that'll be on the field. Yeah, trying to adjust to a new normal. Yeah. Uh, I know we heard a lot about that three, four, or you know, two, three years ago. Now, uh, but glad that it's in a baseball context this time. And you know, for me, I, I do think it's going to be a enter- more entertaining product to watch. I mean, I, I sincerely believe that, and I know some players are, are not happy about it, and I get that. I mean, you know, they're, they're doing everything possible to be successful, and, and some, you know, probably accurately believe that they're better conditioned to do it on their own time. But I think for, for the good of the game and, and, and the entertainment value of the sport, which is one of the reasons, you know, you and I get to do this is because there is so much interest, you know, on a national and global level, uh, hopefully continuing to grow that, uh, I think is going to pay off. And on top of that, I also think, you know, it kind of adds a, a, a new element to it, too. I think, you know, it's so often in sports, it's about, you know, putting the other guy on edge, you know, kind of landing the first punch or being the aggressor. I think this pitch clock kind of forces, you know, both pitcher and hitter to kind of be, all right, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a little more attacking. I'm not, I can't really wait for it to come to me. Yeah. It, one interesting number that I really thought stood out is going back, they've collected a lot of data on this from uh, when they've uh, tried a lot of these things out in minor league baseball. Go back to the start of 2021. Okay. The average major league game time was three hours and three minutes. Yep. Last season in the minors, the average game time was two hours and 39 minutes. So you're trimming nearly 30 minutes off of a game. Now, look, I know that the, the breaks are longer when you have national games. It's a it's a whole different uh, set of circumstances at the major league level. But trimming out some of that dead time, again, that, that time is going to go very, very quickly. So, I mean, you think about a guy like Kenley Jansen last year. He took his time on the mound. He was very deliberate. Guys that like to see signs, which is why I think incorporating this along with the uh, technology that they have to relay the signals from the pitcher to the catcher, that's really, really important given the fact that this time is going to go very quickly. And and, and there's a couple things I want to chew on there first. First, uh, as far as how they're keeping the time on the field, I'm told they're going to be calling it clock com. It's it's the same uh, technology they're using for pitch com, but it's going to be for the umpires, obviously. Uh, on your topic of Kenley Jansen, you take a guy like him or Luis Garcia. I think Mike Clevenger even has a delivery that 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 at times can be a little wonky. They're going to have to tone down their their pre pitch uh, toe tapping or whatnot for the simple reason of the home plate umpire, the umpires, and uh, the clock operator have to have a distinct understanding of when does the pitch begin. You know, for instance, Kenley. You know, you watch him pitch. You know, he'll tap his toe a few times, and occasionally, you know, he'll throw the pitch after the fourth toe tap or the the fifth toe tap or the first toe tap. So they're going to have to cut some of that out. Uh, And Luis Garcia is the same way. We saw him in the World Series a couple years ago. He likes to kind of rock the baby there, and whenever his heart desires, he goes. That's not to say you can't be creative or funky uh, with your windup and try and upset some timing, but there's got to be a distinct and, and, and clear uh, beginning to the pitch. Therefore, they can turn off the, the timer. Um, and secondly, or th- I guess I should say thirdly, as far as the, the pitch clock's concerned, I'm also curious to see how hitters handle it as well because they got to be in the box with eight seconds, got to be ready to go. And, you know, there was some thought, you know, five, six years ago, I remember reading a lot about it, this idea that the, f- the fewer uh, 
seconds between pitches actually could work to the pitcher's advantage because you know if you, if you see a fastball at 98 and you don't see another pitch for another 40 seconds, it gives you a chance to recalibrate or whatnot. But if you're seeing 98 and then 15 seconds later you're seeing you know 83, that gives your brain less time to sort of you know again find its equilibrium, I guess. So I think pitchers can actually benefit in that respect. And then the last thing on the on the timing thing you talked about, Kevin, shaving 25, 30 minutes off of a game time, it's not only going to be just the raw game time, but I think what, what anyone would tell you, you know, watching a baseball game, it's not so much that the three hours, the NFL's three hours, and that's, and that's exhilarating, but it, it's the time between the pitches, mm-hmm. I think, is, is so critical. So, you know, it's the pace of play. And I, and I love the quote that Morgan Sword from the commissioner's office said. He said, and, he, and I think he's right, you know, today's day and age, the players are bigger, faster, stronger, more athletic than they ever have been. The problem is, 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 is the pace of play has been slower than it's ever been. Therefore, now you're going to have, you know, elite athletes playing at a rhythm and at a pace that we are more accustomed to seeing in the 1970s and 1980s, which I think if you talk to a lot of people of a certain age, they long for those days of the stolen base and, and excitement and energy and those types of things. I think we're going to be able to finally meld the two together. There's a funny video, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retweet this here in just a couple of moments. Rob Friedman, the pitching ninja on Twitter, he does a great job with all kinds of overlays and things of that nature. There's a video he posted back on May 11th, 2019. You may okay. or may not have seen this already. It's the entire Kentucky Derby from 2019 <laughs> I remember. overlaid between two pitches from Zach Granke to Ozzie Albies. Wow. Two pitches over two minutes long to run the Kentucky Derby. And it's him stepping off. It's him adjusting. Uh, it's Ozzie fixing the batting gloves. And this is not by any means a knock at Ozzie Albies. What I'm getting at is he was stepping out because he was tired of waiting. So, again, when you start really shortening that time in between pitches, the other thing is, too, to your point, I think it's a good one. When you start talking about the adjustment, you see in 97, yes. and then you're going to see a breaking ball at 72, that's going to look a whole lot different that much quicker, quicker exactly. in between, and vice versa. You see 72, it's going to look like 150 yes. when you see 95 miles an hour. So I really am curious to see what adjustments they make. You know, those guys, they like to fix the gloves. They like to tap the helmet, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, you got seven seconds, and those seven That's seconds it, yeah. are going to go really, really quickly. No, I mean, you imagine taking one up and in at, you uh, know, at 97. And yeah. you normally you're gonna, now, again, I'm not. I'm curious. I don't know if there's maybe, maybe is there an agreement with the umpires of saying, okay, you know, you, if you get knocked down. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll give you a second. I'm curious to see how that plays out. Just 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 little nuances here and there, and in situations. I think the other thing, you know, the between innings timer. You know, what happens if Travis Darno makes the last out of the inning? Right. He's got to go put his gear on. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's got to be a little bit of, of of give and take there. So I do think, from what I've read, there, there's some umpire discretion involved. But yeah, man. I mean, I'm again. I I know that was such a pot, especially when when offense was just so anemic there in the mid 2010s. You know, or you know, people were talking about you know other things that that, that pitchers could do to even be more successful. And it was like, well, if they pitch faster, you know, if they pitch you know at, at a higher pace, that can make things even more tougher uh, on hitters. So I'm excited to see all that stuff. You know, I know the the bigger base stuff is not as you know it seems pretty self-explanatory. Uh, I suppose the distance between home and first is now, as I understand it, three inches shorter than it was. Mm-hmm. And people are saying, well, that's not, you mean you mean it's you know does that mean it's 89 feet and nine inches? I'm like, no, no, no. The 90 feet was always to the back of the base. So the base is still, you know, the back back of the base is still 90 feet away from home plate. It's just the base itself is longer. So the distance is shorter, but it's not as if it's gone from 90 feet to 89.9. I guess, you know, I'm not going to do the math on that, but 88.5 or something. Yeah, I can't do so, that. Yeah, we're not going to worry about I'm that. not even going to try to do that. Uh, and then it's, it's four and a half inches shorter between first and second and second and third. So, right. 
you know, that too, perhaps we see some more stolen bases, more surface area to find a way to avoid that tag as you're sliding in. And I know one of the big headlines as well with the larger bases reducing injuries, mm-hmm. you know, especially you get a bang-bang play at first. You don't want somebody stepping on the back of Matt Olson's ankle. Uh, more surface area, it's almost, you know, 45% increase, I think, uh, overall. Uh, gives you a chance to avoid some collisions there. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. They're they're looking for safety, yeah. and and it's something that Ozzy Albies told us at uh, at Braves Fest a few weeks ago. As a left-handed batter, if you hit a ball over the second baseman's head into right field, that should be a hit, and it really hasn't been. So you've seen you know collective averages dip and things of that nature. So I'm very interested to see how it all plays out, and we'll find out starting on Saturday. We got Braves baseball with Ben yes, Ingram on the call, February 25th, baby, taking on the Red Sox. That's it's going it. to be nice to hear Ben's voice. I uh, cannot wait. You know he's down there getting all his notes ready and uh, talking to guys and uh, getting everything situated. We know Jay Chad's down there as well. It'll be great to hear Braves baseball back on the radio, and of course we'll tell you where exactly you can find it starting this weekend, 1 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. All right, Wiley and I will squeeze in a break. On the other side, we'll talk about some of the news coming out of Braves camp. A couple of guys a little slow at the start. Should we be concerned? We'll talk about that next on the Braves Clubhouse Report here on The Fan. The Braves Clubhouse Report on 680 The Fan. Cold months in the South mean that rodents, critters, and pests are trying to find a way into your warm house. Luckily, you can trust the pros at Arrow Exterminators to keep your home pest-free inside and out. Arrow protects homes and businesses and is the official pest control provider of Truist Park and the Braves. So you know you're getting the best from the best. To set up a free pest inspection, call 888-GO-ARROW or visit arrowexterminators.com. Here's more Braves talk from inside the clubhouse. This is the Atlanta Braves Clubhouse Report, presented by Arrow Exterminators on the home of the Braves, the Fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. With you Wednesdays, 2 to 2.30 here on the Fan, it is the Braves Clubhouse Report. Kevin McAlpin, Wiley Ballard here with you till the bottom of the hour. Braves camp underway. Folks, they had their first full squad workout yesterday. So it is really getting close now, Wiley. Baseball, uh, Grapefruit League action starts on Saturday. And, of course, you'll hear those games here on the fan, the Braves Radio Network, and our uh, sister stations as well. Two names that have made some uh, some headlines already in the pitching department, uh, Wiley, are Michael Soroka, and that's going to be an adjustment. He's now Michael Soroka, not Michael. Mike Soroka. Michael Soroka dealing with a little bit of a hamstring, and then Kyle Wright dealing with some soreness, some fatigue a little bit. Neither of them sound overly concerned. Scale of 1 to 10, where is your panic meter right now with a couple guys in the rotation? Well, we were talking before we went on the air how long spring training is, mm-hmm. so it's hard to have a panic moment for me when we're still in February. I mean, there is so much time and I think there's going to be some patience uh, needed on on all sides. And, and, you know, goodness knows Michael Soroka has had plenty of opportunities to display how patient he can be trying to recover and be healthy. So I still think from an expectation standpoint, I don't know about you, Kevin, but I, I I tried to really temper my expectations for what Soroka could offer this year. You know, first and foremost, I just want to see him have a chance to take a big league mound again. I think he has worked so, so hard just to try and get that opportunity back. And I'll be honest, I'm not sure if it's the worst thing if he ends up in AAA to start the year. The guy threw 25 professional innings last year, about 20 in AAA. I would have been, I mean, again, Mike, he, look, Michael Soroka over the course of his career has, has, has performed at an extremely high level when he's healthy. So I don't want to put anything past him. I, I don't want to say I doubted that, that he could get back in the opening rotation on open, or in the opening weekend rotation or at least the, the you know the first five having said that I, I don't know if it's not the worst thing in the world just to 
ease into it, get a little more game action, a little more game reps. And, you know, there, there's so much energy and, and, and intensity in those first couple of series because, okay, we're here and this is it. And, you know, I, I think he's, he's already going to have enough to deal with when he does get back on the mound. If it comes in May or late April even, I'm okay with that. On the Kyle Wright side of things, you know, I think to be honest with you, I know the shoulder soreness is, is a concern, but, you know, from what I heard about getting that quarter zone shot in January, how much better he felt compared to the last couple of years. I'm really encouraged by that as well. And, yeah. look, he's a guy who made a pretty significant innings jump last year, uh, led the major leagues in wins. I mean, you're talking about one of the top arms in the rotation. For me, again, not not as concerned because he's already had so much success at the big league level. I think he knows uh, he knows his body as well as anyone. So, do the Braves, so does the Braves training staff. You know, if this was a year ago and he was trying to prove himself and break out, a little more concerned. Yeah. But he's he's got that year of, of just marvelous success under his belt. I think his confidence, and he he knows he can be patient, and that job is still going to be there. All the years I covered spring training, and there were, gosh, nine years I was there every single day for six, sometimes closer to seven weeks. The one thing I've noticed over the last few years that they've done is just because you might not see a guy pitch on the main field in a Grapefruit League game doesn't mean he's not ramping up to where he needs to be. They set up, you know, B games on the backfields. They'll do inter-squad action, whatever it might be, just simulating innings. These guys are going to get their work in. So while I know that the Kyle Wright thing, you know, some folks are a little concerned, okay, hey, we might not see him in a Grapefruit League game for the first few weeks. That doesn't necessarily mean, though, he's significantly behind. It's just that they're going to be careful with him. And when you're coming off a season, like you said, you lead Major League Baseball 21 and five record yeah you're going to be careful with him he's 27 years old the innings were significantly higher than he was used to so ultimately i will caution folks if you look at the lineup if you look at the box scores every single day from spring training and you don't see some of those guys heck throw the the position players in there as well it doesn't mean that they're not healthy that they're not going to be ready it just means that they're getting them action elsewhere and that's really been a staple of what we've seen the last couple of seasons well wasn't it freddie freeman Uh, we were talking earlier said you know i need 30 at bats 30 that's it yeah. 30 bats, you know, let me get my timing down. Let me see, you know, I'll, I'll see some pitching, you know, stand in there and you know, okay, this is 95. Cool, cool, cool. But again, the big question I have, honestly, is, you know, from a position player standpoint is always those guys at kind of the end of the roster, a guy like a Sam Hilliard or a Jordan Luplo who are trying to earn that, that left field opportunity and say, okay, what do these guys look like? And we were talking about that too, about, you know, for a guy like Austin Riley or, um, you know, Matt Olson, spring training might feel like it's a little too long. But for a guy like Sam Hilliard who's trying to earn a roster spot, who's got a ton of tools, or for a guy like, as we said, Jordan Luplo or Kevin Pillar, you know, if they start to perform really well, I think if you're Alex Anthopoulos and Brian Snicker, you say, okay, you know what, I wouldn't mind. Let's see if you can keep this going another couple of weeks. You know, yeah. how, how real is this? And to be fair, I, I don't think you ever feel 100% confident, no matter if we had three months of spring training games just because of the nature of the competition level. But you're always curious to see, okay, he's been really good. Is is that going to continue? I mean, you know, I go back all the way to, uh, I guess it was 2009 spring training when Jordan Schaefer all of a sudden mm. just turned into the guy in yeah. center field. And basically at the end of the spring training, like, you know what? Like, he's going to be the guy in center field. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure you, you have a prospect or, or a guy of that caliber for that left field job. Uh, and then obviously shortstop's interesting. I do think defensively, 
you know, a ground ball is a ground ball, right? You know, I think you could learn at least a little bit about what Von Grissom can offer you there defensively in a spring training game. Yeah, no question. And the range will be uh, something we exactly. keep a very close yeah, exactly. eye on once these games do start. Going back to the outfield, I, I do think that that's a position, left field specifically, where, you know, look, there's going to be some healthy competition going on. I mean, you've got uh, a number of guys you brought in this offseason, like you mentioned, whether it's a Sam Hilliard or whether you look at other guys uh, like a uh, like an Eli White, a Kevin Pillar. Yeah, Eli White, I dropped it. I left his name. Yeah. God, he's fast. Those guys are all going to compete. And he made some really, really good plays with the Rangers a year ago. So I guess the question becomes, okay, left field, you feel pretty good about Eddie Rosario. I don't expect him to be the Rosario that he was in the postseason a couple of years ago. I also don't expect him to be the guy that he was in April and May last season. I'm looking somewhere in the middle. But are you looking for maybe a complimentary right-handed bat to put with him? And there's no shortage of those kind of guys in camp with the team this year. No, there's plenty of opportunities. And, and like we talked about, you know, I think so long as Eddie feels like his eyes sight is in a good place, I mean, you've got a guy like Jordan Luplo, uh, you know, a, a right-handed bat. I know Hilliard's also a lefty. But, you know, like you said, even Eli White, you know, a guy who's gotten some big league run. He's, he's gotten over two years of service time. We mentioned his speed, you know, like the OPS, you know, look at what's projected on fan graphs. It's not going to blow you away uh, as far as what he can offer. But, you know, depth is it's just such a huge part of this sport, Kevin. It's not something we talk a lot about in, say, uh, football or basketball, but in baseball because you're playing so many games, you're playing nearly every day. You know, somebody's got to step up. And I always get a big kick out. You go back and look at the end of, you know, let's say the 2021 season. Look at some of the guys who had an opportunity to compete in those games. I mean, Guillermo Heredia started more games in center field than anybody else in the regular season for a team that won the World Series. I mean, I think that that, that to me is the classic example. You know, you can go back to, a, you know, Adonis Garcia as well. Um, so for me... You know, I, or Abraham Almonte. I'm trying. I mean, yeah, Abraham Almonte was yeah. a huge part of that team too. Yeah. I mean, just going back looking at names, and you're like, oh, that guy was like critical. We had to have him. I mean, yeah. you know, who was it? Was it Preston Tucker a few years back? Who who was also real big there in the month of April? So, you know, for me, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you guy like Eli White or Kevin Pillar they end up getting some significant run. You know, I even look at Magnera Sierra too. That's yeah. a guy we saw in Miami. He's in the organization now, a left-handed hitting center fielder. So. Yeah, you can never have enough depth. Um, you know, we've already seen on the pitching side, but even position players as well. Yeah, no question about it. You know you're going to need those guys throughout the course of a season. And Snit always says that the 26 we break camp with, uh, we're going to need 20, 30, sometimes more than that oh, yeah. uh, to get you through 162 games. Hey, are you a big believer in projections? Do you like to play the projections game? <sighs> Who's are, like you're talking like my personal projections no, or no, like what like we're getting what, from like a, a math a, a math calculator? What I'm getting from a fan graph. Do you like to play the projection game? Uh yeah, I like I like to play the game. I take them with a grain of salt. But, okay. I mean they they're sometimes they're wrong, sometimes they're right. You know? All right. Well, how, how, how's that for a hot take? I'll say this: I hope they're right, and I'm going to tell you why okay. as we close things out on the other side. Sound good? That sounds good to me. All right, we'll do that on the other side, and we'll talk to uh, Westy and Chuck. That's coming up next here on the Braves Clubhouse Report on the Fan. This is the Braves Clubhouse Report, exclusively on 680 The Fan. Meet Harper, teammate at Truist. Hello. She was born to care and always had your back. Like the time her friend's bumper car took a gnarly hit. Oh, no. His retainer went flying, but Harper caught it before it got crushed. Today, Harper's a teammate at Truist, the bank with Truist One checking. With no overdraft fees, a $100 negative balance buffer, and automatic upgrades, Truist One checking has your back, too. When you start with care, you get a different kind of bank. $100 negative balance buffer. Eligibility requirements apply. Truist Bank member FDIC. You're listening to the Braves Clubhouse Report, presented by Arrow Exterminators, exclusively on Atlanta's Sports Station, the home of the Braves, the fan. 
Final segment on this week's edition of the Braves Clubhouse Report. By the way, don't forget Nick and Chris live in Northport all week long. Great interviews and content coming your way from Cool Today Park. And Wiley, I'm just glad to know they've uh, used a few of my recommendations, the restaurant recommendations. You know, I sent them a whole Chilino list. and Domini all week in Northport. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I didn't do that. I'm glad I didn't slip. They used my right. Re- I sent them a whole text on Sunday. I said, I know you guys are leaving today. Here's where you need to go. So at least well, they've gone to a few. Who else are they get recommendations from? Bowman? Well, no. Well, he <laughs> eats gas station sushi. No. <laughs> no. He can tell you where to get the best gas station sushi. And what was it? Uh, some kind of pie or something he eats out of that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We love uh, you, Bo. We love and you, Bo. And I'm sure he's tuned in right now from the press box down there in Northport. All right. Before the break, Wiley, I asked you if you like to play the projections game. And I've been recently checking out fan graphs. And, you know, every year they like to put out their win-loss totals for teams and uh, their playoffs and World Series odds. You want to take a guess on what they're looking at as far as the National League East is concerned? I mean, I'm assuming, look, the Braves have won the division five years in a row. Yep. they get. You can't be in the business of picking against them at this point. I don't care what kind of math you got. Well, they're not. They're picking okay, the Braves good. to go 94.6 and 67.4. So 94 to 95 wins is what, the, what they're looking at for the Braves. They got the Mets at 91. The Phillies, and this one surprised me, and I'm going to get your thoughts on this in a second. Phillies, 86 and 75. Which is fewer games than they won a year ago. They Correct. They won last year. Correct. Right? Uh, Marlins, 79 wins, and the Nationals, 66. That might be a little lofty for the Nationals. I think they're going to lose 100-plus. I think that's a really, really bad baseball team in D.C. But when you think about this division, what the Mets did and what the Phillies did this offseason, to have the Braves, 94 wins, that's a... It's a rather stout figure, wouldn't you say? I, I would, and I think, you know, there, there's one viewpoint, which is where, like, well, they both won 100 games last year, Mets and Braves, you know, but I think projections are going to naturally, you, you're going to expect less from the really good teams, be a little more conservative on that, and then to your point with the Nationals, you're going to be more conservative as well. I mean, you're, you're going to kind of try and stay within the guardrails as opposed to projecting 100 wins or 100 losses when you get to the formulas they're using. But, no, Kevin, to be honest with you, I think it speaks to the fact that, like, Atlanta was in such a good spot going into the offseason that even if you didn't make the splashiest moves, although I still think Sean Murphy's right up there yep. with some of the moves that were made. I mean, sincerely, you know, I know Trey, it wasn't nearly as expensive from a dollar standpoint, which, you know, credit to Alex Anthopoulos. And, you know, they were able to, you know, re-up Sean, uh, you know, getting the extension done. But, no, it's not the $300 million the Philly spent on Trey Turner. You know, it's not, you know, bringing in you know, Justin Verlander uh, and a host of other free agents for the Mets. But I think it speaks to, like, look, like Austin Riley, like, you think I was sixth in MVP voting yeah. last year. Um, you've got Spencer Strider, who, you know, looked pretty much untouchable, you know, when he's healthy. And, you know, I think with the Mets, I mean, it just, I get a little little nervous because what their whole rotation is 34 and up. Yeah. Like, that's that's just a dangerous game. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying it. You know, at some point, at some point, Verlander and Serge are going to drop off. I'm not sure I'd pick it to happen this year because <laughs> those guys, but at some point it's going to happen. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, with the Phillies, like, not having Bryce Harper for, you know, they're saying, you know, they're being conservative and saying, you know, all-star break. Maybe it's June. Uh-huh. It's still two months yeah. without Bryce Harper in, in, in my book, and that's still significant. And, you know, how much do you believe in what Alec Bohm did last year? I mean, I, I you know, I think it's it, it's significant, and adding Trey Turner's, you know, also a big deal. But, like, Sir Anthony Dominguez and Jose Alvarado, like, they were outstanding in October. Yep. And I don't want to take that away from them. But, 
you know, they, they had some real serious issues in September. So mm-hmm. bullpens can be volatile. So, no, I, I think the Braves are the favorite in the division. So it, it tells me that what folks are looking at is the Phillies overperformed. They outperformed yeah. where they should have been. In October. And, sure. Right. And the Mets, until they prove that they're not going to choke away a division, they're not going to put a lot of stock in it. Before we go, when it comes to the projection game, I thought this was fun as well. The team that has the best odds in Fangraph's mind to win the 2023 World Series yeah, you guessed it. The Atlanta Braves. No kidding. 14.6% to win the World Series. San Diego Padres are second, 11.9. And you've got the Yankees, 10.5. Astros defending champs, 9.9. And then the Mets round out the top five. So Braves, Padres, Yankees, Astros, Mets, in fan graphs minds, are the five top favorites to win the World Series this year. That surprises me. And maybe maybe I'll be wrong. You know, the, I mean, Toronto could could make a big jump. Seattle could make a big jump. But I still think the National League is a little stiffer competition than yeah. what the AL is offering. Yeah. So that's why I was surprised not to see the Astros at the top. And granted, I mean, the Yankees, I mean, they've added some pretty, you know, adding Carlos Rodon is no joke. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that that's a big addition for their rotation. But I still think the route's easier out of the AL and the NL to get to the World Series. Yeah. At least as things currently stack up. I agree with you. Well, look, I think we'll all sleep better knowing the Fangraphs is picking the Braves to, to win the World Series. Why even play the season? I think just, let's just, yeah. I mean, fit them for their rings now. Yeah, exactly. Let's make it easy for everybody. Yeah, please. And, uh, but it'll be fun <laughs> to follow. And like we said, game start this Saturday. Ben Ingram will be on the call. I'm sure he's got the, the chamomile tea and he's, uh, you know, getting the, the, the vocal cords all ready to go. And it'll be he great told, to hear he, him do the, and now for the ball game. That means baseball's back. He told me he does not speak the first three weeks of February. <laughs> I don't believe that. <laughs> I've known Ben a long time. <laughs> I'm not believing that. Yeah, I don't think so either. Wiley, we could do this all day, but we got to get out of the way. Chuck and Chernoff are coming yeah, okay. up next with Westy in for Matt. We'll do it again soon. We'll do it again next week. And by this time next week, we'll have played, what, three or four games already. So yeah. we'll have some things to follow. Hopefully not on the lot on the injury front, but uh, we'll, we'll bring it all up to speed coming up next week. Yeah, that's the whole goal. Try and stay healthy these next few weeks. All right, that's going to do it for us. Chuck and Chernoff, they'll take you the rest of the way. We appreciate you tuning in. For Wiley Ballard, I'm Kevin McAlpin. This has been the Braves Clubhouse Report on The Fan. Thanks for joining us for the latest on your Atlanta Braves on WCNN North Atlanta, a Dickie Broadcasting Station. Join the fan every Wednesday at 2 p.m. for all the latest news on your Atlanta Braves. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.